My name is Dion Benninghoven, and I'll be your host. Thanks for joining me. I'll show you how is a series inspired by my self-employed grandparents who raised me in a working 400-acre ranch farm in western Montana. Our day-to-day life included a never-ending cast of projects large and small, and comings and goings. They showed me how to be resilient in the face of unimaginable tragedy. Not only did they survive the last great plague in 1918, they also survived two world wars, the Great Depression, the Bay of Pigs, Nixon, oil embargoes, and waves of social unrest, hippies, corrupt law enforcement, and militia streaming into our Bitterroot Valley. With the President of the United States of America using the U.S. Department of Justice as his personal law firm to go after private citizens like Peter Strzok, James Comey, Andy McCabe, Joe and Hunter Biden, Barack Obama, to name a few, or those that he perceives as enemies, I've been a bit worried. To make matters worse, just today he attacked Dr. Fauci, the one expert that can and will help us out of this death spiral he attacked. And what did Dr. Fauci do? He responded while accepting a leadership award this morning. Quote, We have a lot of challenges ahead of us. And I can't help thinking that we're really going through a time that's disturbingly anti-science in certain segments of our country." End quote. This chaos and self-destructive behavior already killed 218,000 people and drove us into a minus 331.4 GPD ditch. And I can hear them say it can't change it, deed. So what are you going to do about it? Well, for the future, what I can do is ask a few people that the president has gone after to tell their story here. I deeply admire these people. Folks like Michael Cohen, E. Jean Carroll, Stephanie Winston Wilkoff, and I know that my grandparents would too. And folks like Tom Arnold, because not only did they take up the fight, take hits chin up, then they lean harder into the fight. And thanks to a few other stories about me that I haven't told you, I've been in the trenches with a few of them. So keep an eye out here for their guest appearance, if we're lucky. For today... I'm back to telling stories of my days on the ranch with characters like Bicycle Bobby, Emil Meyer, Jean and Marion Tingle, Buckshot Burrow, Ray Mowdy, Francis and George Garnett, The Downings, Earl and Anne The Wolves, Pete and Viviette Sachs, Ernie Buecher, The Fows, and Papa Bay. Today's episode is about a local Bitterroot hero named Papa Bay.
off the East Side Highway at the Woodside Cutoff in Main Street, across from Bay's Hardware and the Corvallis Drugstore in Corvallis, Montana, stands a large building. With pull-in parking in the front, the building now stands as a testament to fitness, an absolute fitness at that. Though back when I was growing up, that building was the pride and joy of Papa Bay, as most called him. Though his given name was Vance, and that worked too. Papa Bay went to university, but came right back to Bay's grocery and hardware store afterward. His tall and lake stature was generally bespeckled and dressed in a down jacket, jeans that covered his shoes, and an apron with worn pockets. In an interview for the Valley Republic in 2002, Papa Bay said, quote, We'd sell about a thousand pounds of hamburger on a Saturday, two pounds for 98 cents. That's the size, the only size that we'd put up. End quote. In the days of COVID, pricing is hard to imagine hamburger at 49 cents per pound. But that's how that the bays operated. And offering more insight into this gentle and kind man, here's another snippet from the same interview. Quote, the only thing that hasn't changed is Vance, said Bob Smythe, who grew up with Bay. I remember coming in here when he had the hardware store in the back of the grocery store across the way. Smythe then peruses the many aisles of nuts and bolts, hammers, screwdrivers, and shovels, finally approaching the wooden counter with two bolts. These are worth a dollar, but all I have is 75 cents, said Smythe. And that'll be all right with Vance, end quote. As a kid trailing around with my papa, we'd stop at Bay's for a bite after taking a load of wheat to Lake Milling in Hamilton, Montana. We barely crossed the threshold before Papa Bay would amble toward us with an outstretched Hershey bar in hand. After he gave it to me, he'd ask us how much we sold and for what price as we made our way to the meat counter to get sandwich fixings. Then off to get a loaf of fresh bread, he'd still be with us talking to others along the way. I can still hear him telling others how well my papa had done with his wheat and how much we deserved to take a break over the, in the shade next to the post office. Right before we rounded the corner to check out, Papa Bay would grab two sodas from the cooler and put them on the counter, saying, These are on me. It's hard to describe what Papa Bay's store was like. It was a worn chock full of groceries, sundries, hardware, and who knows what else. Yes, but it was more. It was a community, a hub, a wonder, and it was Papa Bay's castle to me. All in all, Papa Bay, like Emil, paid attention. He simply loved being a merchant and being the very best merchant that he could possibly be. He saw his place in the community as a resource, 
as a service and as his life's work. His warm, caring, and unending generosity brought people from all over the valley to spend their hard-earned dollars at his store year after year, decade after decade, and generation after generation. And it was his kind attention to all of our lives that kept those in need fed, housed, and in work. Papa Bay knew who needed what and where to plug them in so that they could not only survive, but thrive. While I wouldn't wish 2020 or this administration on anyone, memories of Papa Bay and the kindness that I see resurfacing in the world as a result heartens me. Of which I'd like to share something that happened yesterday when I walked the dogs. My hands were full with two dog leashes, a cup of joe, a bag of dog treats, and sandwiches. About that time, Boris decided that it was time to let loose. As he balanced his 120-pound self and did his business, I emptied my hands and began pulling loose the bag to scoop it up. About then, a tall woman approached me, asking if she could help, as she was a dog person and saw that my hands were pretty full. There was something about her that reminded me of Papa Bay, and for some reason I accepted her offer. As she held the dogs and talked to them, I felt a sense of calm pass over me. A kind of calm that I haven't felt since November 2016. After she passed the leashes back and we said a few more words, thoughts tumbled around. Then the tumbling settled into one clear realization. Kindness is not just given. It must also be received to be given. The giver receives as much as the receiver if the receiver allows the exchange. I suspect that Papa Bay knew this. He knew the interest in, that the interest in our well-being, the Hershey bar, the soda pops, the 25 cents that he gave Bob Smythe, were only as good as our willingness to accept kindness and his ability to offer and receive it. Closing out, I have plenty more stories of the incredible cast of characters that I grew up with, and I'll keep telling them if you stay tuned on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Reddit, Anchor.fm, and other leading podcast platforms to come. One way that you can support this podcast is by sharing this content far and wide, becoming a Patreon, or signing up at anchor.fm forward slash I'll show you how forward slash support. Please feel free to send me your questions and stories, and I look forward to hearing from you and sharing your stories with others here as we continue this conversation for the next 15 days and beyond. Tomorrow's podcast is about Jackie Fow, or Pafow as Papa called him, whose family feed mill was another hub full of Bitterroot folk, comings and goings, and just pure kindness in the valley. Thank you for listening. Cheers.